All right, I'm excited for today. I, Pastor Chad was going to be preaching here this Saturday or Sunday, and he was pretty excited for it until Ryan gets sick and Amanda couldn't make it, and then I need to be in Evansville doing children's church, so I can't preach there. So when I called him Friday and I said, "Hey, we need to switch," I think he was reluctant, but he did it. But uh, so I prayed, and it was pretty quick for me to get the word for today because it's exactly what the Lord was speaking to uh, Kevin and I on Thursday. And uh, so we're going to be in Romans 6, starting in verse 12. And, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Jason got up here and he was preaching about uh, Jonah and just the the mercy of the Lord on, the, on uh, Nineveh and how... Jonah didn't want to see that mercy given out because he knew God was a merciful God, right? And how we were to recognize uh, His mercy and share it. But, you know, there's we don't often want to line up with what God's doing. And then last week I was talking about how David didn't line up with what God was doing when he's bringing the ark back, gets a man killed, and then it took Obed-Edom having the heart for the presence of God for him to realize the blessing was in God's presence. And uh, I think a theme has started with the Lord and how He's speaking to us. It's all about His heart and what He wants from us, right? The all-in. Uh, you know, He's our blessing. And He's a blessing we're to share. And uh, so today we're going to talk about grace. And uh, Romans 6, verse 12 starts out, it says, uh, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of right unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no d- dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you that you speak to us, that you love us, God, and that you're You're always doing such a good work in us, Lord. I pray that today You would speak to our hearts, Lord. And Father God, I would not share anything of myself, Lord, but only Your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that we would receive it, Lord, and You would completely change each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I read things like that, uh, like, you know, since you're not under law but under grace, and a lot of times when you read Scripture, we read like, you know, when especially if you go into like a store, but even at churches a lot of times, there's just little uh, snippets of Scripture somewhere, and you read them, and you're like, that sounds good, but what does that look like, right? We're no longer under law, but we're under grace. Oh, great, what does that look like? You know, if it's that easy, we would do it, you know? Grace sounds good until you stop and you start trying to figure out how everything is, Right? Uh, you go on to the rest of Romans 6, which I'm not going to go into, but we're going to go into Romans 7. But the rest of Romans 6 talks about uh, not su- submitting to your old ways, not submitting to sin, right? Not to be under uh, what they would call the law of sin, but being under the law of righteousness, under the power of righteousness. And uh, he actually speaks of righteousness as it being we're slaves to righteousness, uh, which before we were slaves to sin, we could not stop doing what we were doing. It, uh, and we're going to see as we get into Romans 7 that 
we weren't only slaves of sin, we were slaves to law. And the law was just there to point out our sins, right? So we want to talk about that. The difference between uh, what it looks like to be slaves to righteousness and how we came out of slaves to sin and law. And uh, one of the things that you see amongst Christians often is we still have this tendency to fall under the law instead of grace. We tend to try to get everything right instead of just accepting God's love, right? And uh, so we're going to talk about that. Romans 7, we're going to start in verse 1, and I told Tracy I would try to keep this short today because she has to lead in Evansville also. It says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is still alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and if he marries, if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. And he's going to go through to explain this here in a second, but it's, it's the whole thing of anything you do wrong when you're married to something and you break that, you're like, she was bound to her husband. She's one with her husband until she, one of them dies and then the other one's free from it. Same thing goes with sin, right? We are bound to sin. We're bound to our flesh. And in order for that to break, something has to die. Otherwise, we're committing adultery, which is weird to think you're committing adultery on sin. But something has to die. Likewise, my brother, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. And this is the whole thing of uh, oftentimes we, uh, whenever we're thinking about the law, we're thinking about doing things right, we're bound by the law and sin. You just can't get right. Right? It's like the old movie. I don't remember what it was, but they had the guy on there, you can't get right. That's who you are when you are bound by sin. And whenever you're living that right, you just can't get right. You want to, you strive, you do great. How many people do you know like who are addicted to something or they're, they're trying to stop a pattern and they're like, I just can't quit. And it's because they're bound to it, right? There's that, you're just one with it. And it, uh, it's a tough, tough concept. And I'm going to tell you all of Romans 7 tells you everything about being bound and it's going to, like, in the end, when we get to the end of 7, you're going to just sit there and you're going to be like, now what? Right? Because you got to remember, these are written as letters. They weren't written as chapters. And uh, so, he's going to go through a whole bunch of things to make you realize that, well, on our own, we're pretty much worthless with sin. For we've been... For while we were living in flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, 
having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So, the moment we are saved, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we now die with Him. Our flesh is dead. Our old way is gone, the new way is here, right? Then why is it that we're always trying to get stuff right? We're always trying to fulfill the law still. Right, that's what he's trying to point out here. The moment you die in Christ, you're no longer bound by that law. Which is always confusing, but thankfully Paul gets into it more and more because sometimes you're thinking, you know, a lot of people hear that and their first thought is, is so I can do whatever I want? You know, he's often said that you can do what you want, but it's not, it's not good for you, right? And it's the things of that nature. But we have to get a mindset that if we're dead to the law, we're dead to sin, it's no longer there, we become one with Christ, something should change. There should be a new nature. Right? Not that we're doing stuff to try to get right. Right? Because when we're trying to obey laws and trying to do stuff and try to get it right, we're, we're trying to be righteous in ourselves. It is impossible, right? So, all this makes more sense as we get going. Let's see. So, a little bit further into that, as you get into uh, the next few verses, Paul's explaining... Uh, the law is not sin, and without the law, we would never know that we were not right with God, right? So, he's got to point out, like, before you knew you were wrong, you were okay with what you were doing. And it, uh, anybody who's ever seen a little kid, they will go out and do some really crazy things. Until you tell them how wrong it is, and then immediately their thought process is, is I don't want to get caught doing this. Before they were told it was wrong, they thought there was nothing wrong with what they were doing. Right? If a little kid just takes something, it's just normal. In their house, they can use whatever they want. So when they go to the store and they take something, they're not doing anything wrong because they don't realize they're doing anything wrong. But the moment you tell them you can't take from this place that's stealing, immediately the kid realizes, uh-oh, that's wrong. I don't want to do it. And I... As I was reading through this, uh, through all the commentaries and things of this, I, I heard a story that will touch with every one of us because it's our nature. Human nature is, is as soon as you're told you can't do something, what do you want to do? You want to do it, right? And there was a, there was a resort that opened up in Florida right on the, the water and it, uh, so, as they're opening up this resort, they're trying to put all these rules in, like how we're going to keep people safe, how we're going to do things right. Well, they have this beautiful terrace on top of their building that overlooks the, the ocean. And they're thinking, like, what if some of these rednecks around here try to fish off of this roof? Right? So they put up a sign to say, no fishing from the roof top, right? So what ends up happening? Everybody starts fishing from the rooftop. 
I would never think about fishing from a rooftop. But you put a sign up, my first thought is, is there must be good fishing from this rooftop. Right? So they start having all these issues. There's, there's sinkers breaking windows. There's fish being slapped into the windows. There's fish feces and stuff all over the side of their, their nice resort. Do you know how they stopped it? Took the sign down. No longer is there a rule. As soon as they took the sign down, nobody tried to fish from the rooftop anymore. That's the way we operate as humans. Tell us we can't do it. We want to do it. Right? And that's the way we were whenever we were in the flesh. Verse 11 says, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And he's speaking here of the fact that if you could obey the law, you would be holy. It's a good thing. The law is keeping you from sin. If you could obey it, you would be right with God. The problem is you can't. The reason why the law had to be put there was because of how far we weren't right with God and it had to tell us, look how far away you are from God. Right? And then you try and you try and you try and you fail and you fail and you fail. Then the next few verses he talks about... uh, even how the law itself provokes us, just like I was saying with the sign. It goes, the law tries to, like when the law is put there, it provokes us to do wrong. Whenever we're told we can't do something, we want to do it. And it's, in our nature, it's just like, I, I want that. Right? Tell somebody they can't do it, they will do it. Then we see this struggle in verse 15 from Paul. And this is always one of those verses that when you read it, you can't help but laugh. Because you identify so much with it, yet the wording is so crazy that as you're following it, reading it, you're like, boy, he's all over this place. But then you, you still identify it. And he says, for I do not understand my own actions. For I not, do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do not what, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I always love reading that because you just feel like you're contradicting yourself all the way through it. But when I read that, right, so like up at the top there, he's talking about now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, right? He's recognizing that he agrees that the law is good. Yet his mind, his flesh still sins. There's a struggle within him. And we do that. As Christians, we know that the law is good. Right? You look at the Ten Commandments. Show me one of the Ten Commandments that's bad. You think of the 600 whatever laws the Jews had. None of them were bad. Some of them were weird. And they wouldn't pertain to us like, don't eat bacon. That's just, that's silly. Right? 
That's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. And it, uh, but all the laws were put there for the good. The reason why they couldn't eat pork, because they didn't know how to prepare it properly. It made them sick. Right? It was a good law. I would imagine if you told us we couldn't eat pork, we would still be having bacon in a men's group. Right? Because Keith would beat us. But he keeps going on, and he's, whenever he gets to that point, he says, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. He's letting us know that he has no power in himself to stop sin. He's also telling us that the law has no power to stop sin. The law just illuminates what you're doing wrong. It just shows that, hey, you are in the wrong. That's all it does. There's no power in the law, and there was no power in himself. The law is holy. The law was right. But all it does is point out how wrong you are. Right? And as I say this, most of us know that uh, every day you're still pointed out to you how wrong you are. You, you, When you mess up, you're like, man, why am I so messed up? Why do I keep doing this, right? That's not wrong. When you go and try to fix it yourself, there's where we get in the wrong, right? Verse 21 says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And as a whole turmoil still. Paul's just in turmoil of, I want to do good, I can't do good. My heart is set on the things of the Lord. My flesh is still set on the things of this world. Right? And there's this battle. And we know that in the churches, we have so many who are trying on their own to pursue God and they want to please God and they want the things of God, yet they can't overcome the things of the flesh. There's this battle and they fight and then what ends up happening is condemnation seeks in, the uh, feeling like a complete failure seeks in, I'll never measure up, I'm not good enough, doubt seeks in, and if God can't fix me, what am I going to do, right? And that's what he's saying here, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he ends chapter 7, as we have here. Like I said, he didn't have 7. He ends it with, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the reason why he says that is he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God that it will happen through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And that struggle's real. Right? And that ends chapter 7 right there. And if you stop right there, all you know is you got a lot of conflict within you. 
Horrible place to stop a chapter. I would never stop a chapter with, yep, you got this conflict with you. Through Christ, you can overcome it. The end. Yeah. It's a horrible idea, right? And and a lot of times we preach messages like that. We tell you all the issues, what you know, what it should look like. We never give the, this is how it looks. But Scripture's not that way. It shows you, right? So we're going to move on into chapter 8. And, uh, I mean, this is three chapters, Mike. Can you believe I can go this through three chapters this quick? Man, I'm learning. So it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. This is telling us we are now free of the guilt of sin. Set free. Right? So when I wake up in the morning or I go to bed at night, I don't have to sit there and beat myself up about how bad I am. I say, Jesus, I am so sorry. I need you. I am messed up. I thank you for dying for my sins. And I give it over to Him. Because if I beat myself up, I'm going to go right back to trying to fulfill the law on my own. And I'll never work. Right? For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So at this moment, I told you before, the law has no power, right? You have no power on your own. But the moment we do this, it says, For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Sin no longer has a power over you. It's gone. As soon as you are willing to release it to Christ. One of the things I've always had to tell teenagers over the years, when you take something to the altar and you lay it down at the altar for a sacrifice, when you get up, you don't pick up half of it and take it with you. You leave it there. It stays. That's the way a sacrifice works. When Jesus paid for your sins and He paid for your your iniquities and He paid for your transgressions, He paid for all of them. Not for some of them. Not for the ones that are small. Not for the ones that you've overcome. He paid for even the ones you're struggling with now. Right? To go back to the thought process is we don't purposely keep struggling. Right? And He'll get into more of that here. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. And I want you to recognize, it says, in the likeness of sinful flesh, because there was no sin in Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully man, but He was not a fallen man. He did not have sinful flesh. He didn't even come into the world the way we come. He was born of a woman, but his father was still God the Father. Right? He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, yet again, it says the that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us, not that we might fulfill it. You cannot fulfill it on your own. 
It is fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ. Right? And it says, fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That tells me that I do have a little bit of a part in this. Right? The moment that Jesus Christ forgives me of my sins, I turn everything over to Him. The Holy Spirit comes on me. I begin walking in the Spirit. I begin walking with Jesus. Right? I have to walk with Him along this way. And as I walk in the Spirit, everything's fulfilled in me. I'm walking with Jesus. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've accepted what He's done. And I begin walking with Him. And it's all covered. He fulfilled it. He didn't say He came to abolish the law. He said He came to fulfill the law. And He did that. And and oftentimes we think the moment we're saved, Jesus is going to empower us to fulfill the law. And that's not the case. Paul's saying here He fulfilled it in us. Not that we fulfill it. We don't have that ability. We can only walk righteously because of Jesus Christ. When we walk with Him, we follow Him, we're led by His Spirit, we can walk in righteousness. Our righteousness don't come until the day we enter heaven. Until then, we're relying completely on His righteousness. Okay? So when we look at the law... It reminds you of how messed up you are, how weak you are, and every other thing wrong with you, right? It's a whole lot that's wrong with us. It exposes our sin. Jesus takes down the sin, and He did it by dying on the cross, and it's in His power that we will overcome sin. And it's only through Him that we do it. Right? So in verse 5 it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. This is an evaluation time. What is your mind set on? Where's your mind focused at? Right? When you begin to sin... Or you struggle with it, you do something wrong, what do you focus on? Do you focus on how you can do it right or what you should be doing or how to do it? Or do you focus on, Jesus, I need your help, I can't do this? What do we focus on? When you wake up in the morning, are you focused on everything you have to do? Or are you focused on, hey, Lord, do what you need to do today in me? Right? You may already have plans for your day, but are you turning it over? That Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but do what you need to do. On my own, I can't accomplish anything. With you, I can do it all. Right? So it comes to a point of actually living with a mindset on Him. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Do you have peace? Do you even have a life? A lot of people don't even have a life. They're just walking through life miserable and they're they're dead to the world and they're not they just it's a horrible existence for them. 
Do you have a life in peace? Right? You do when you walk with the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Man, that's crazy. I don't want to be hostile to God. Because I know who wins that battle. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So many of us know many of people, and hopefully you're not one of them, but you could be, who live a life based on the world, focused on the things they want to do and everything else, and they're trying so hard to please God. And they're unhappy, there's a a lack of joy in them, there's conflict within them, there's struggle within them. And they cannot understand why they don't feel like they're pleasing to God. It's because they're living in the flesh. and uh, Right? But, when you live in the Spirit, when you're focused on Jesus, when you're living for Jesus, like 1 John, uh, especially that one, talks about living for the Lord, how that looks, loving one another, uh, Jesus talks over and over how we should be living. And when we are following Jesus and we're living with Jesus, our nature begins to change. Right? If I, if I, if I hang out with a group of people and I go everywhere they go, eventually I will hang out. I will start acting just like they do. Right? Because what do you always tell kids? Well, you're a direct reflection of the people you surround yourself with. If I start getting into the Word and I want to seek, not, not religiously getting into the Word, like I have to get in the Word or else, because I did that when I was younger. It was like, I'm going to fulfill my penance by reading the Word every time I do something wrong and get into the Bible, right? That don't work. When you want to get in the Word and just to know the Lord and you begin to live the way the Scriptures tell you to, you begin following the Lord, you're praying and you're asking God to guide you, you will start seeing a transformation in yourself. Right, you start seeing a, a difference, a pleasing to God. Right, and Tracy, you can come on up. We're going to cut this out here in a second. Verse nine says, "You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit." I'm going to rephrase that. I'm going to say it again so you hear it. Right, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. I'm looking around, and I am pretty sure the Spirit of God dwells in all of us. If not, today's the day to make that happen, but I am pretty sure of it. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of right, uh, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give Him life to your mortal bodies through through His Spirit and dwells in you. And there's the great promise of this is you don't have to do it on your own. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in us. We die with Jesus. Our sin is gone. Our flesh has been conquered. The grave does not overcome us. And we can start living as people who are right with Jesus. We can start living as people who are guided by the Holy Spirit. And that actually takes a conscious effort. He will never, ever over 
throw your will. He will never ever move in and say, this is what we're doing. You have to say, this is how I'm going to live. Right? You're not bound by law. You're bound by grace. His grace has overtaken all of it. It gives us that option to say, you know what, I may not be perfect. But I'm going to follow the one who is. And he said, I loved you so much, I would die for you. I would fulfill this. Because you couldn't. And oftentimes, I know people who who question grace. It's one of the biggest deterrents of why people will follow Jesus. They don't understand it. Can't grasp it. Because it makes no sense to an earthly mindset. Somebody has to do something. Like, I have to pay for what I get. Right? There has to be a payment. But any parent will tell you that you don't let your kids pay for the things you can pay for usually. Especially whenever they can't do it. You provide for them. And that's what God did. He said, they can't do it. I will. Right? So, I'm going to close this in prayer here in a minute. I just want us to remember we are not bound by law. We cannot heap that upon ourselves. There's not a set of rules that God says, follow this or else. He said, I love you. My grace is sufficient. Walk with me. It's that simple. Just walk with me. And if we would focus on walking with Jesus, just like last year, last week with Obed-Edom, when the ark came into his house, he just sat there in the presence of God. And wherever that ark went, he went with it. If we just follow him, we're still going to struggle at times, but it's going to get easier and easier and easier because you are on the path of the one who is right. We can live in that righteousness. Not our righteousness, His righteousness. We are not righteous until we make it to heaven. We are only righteous in Him, and we can live in that. It's like living in a palace. Somebody invites you into this nice, beautiful palace. It's not your palace, but you get to live in it. You get all the amenities, you get all of the blessings of that palace. And you didn't even have to buy it. Same thing with Jesus. You get to be a part of His righteousness and you didn't even pay for it. It's a mindset. So I'm going to close this prayer now. So Father God, I thank You for who You are, Lord. I thank You, God, that even though we often struggle, Lord, and strive and try to do everything right in ourselves, Lord, I thank You that You, You knew we could never do it, Lord. You knew how weak we were, Lord. You knew that we were powerless against sin, Lord. We were powerless against our flesh. And Lord, even though You gave us laws to show us how powerless we are and how how far away from righteousness we were, Lord, You, you made a way. You gave us Jesus Christ as the, the payment for our sins, as the sacrifice, Lord, that we wouldn't have to pay for it, God. We don't even have to sacrifice every year. We just hand all of our stuff over to You, and Jesus, You take it. 
I thank you that we get to live in your righteousness. We get to have your Holy Spirit inside of us, guiding us, Lord. And as we follow the Holy Spirit, we follow you, Jesus. We get to walk in righteousness. We get to be right with God. There's no condemnation. Lord, there should never be any kind of, I'm not good enough. But we can walk in peace knowing how much you love us. We can walk in peace knowing who we are in you. So Lord, I pray that we would not be a people trying to fulfill the laws. That we would not be a people who are distracted by doing everything right in ourselves, Lord, but instead we'd be a people focused more on following you and doing what you're calling us to do, Lord. Loving you, God. And just allowing you to love others through us. In Jesus' name we pray. one thought and it's uh you know whenever uh, a child's being raised you have to teach them so much and they have to learn and you got to tell them what's right what's wrong you have to well you're rearing a child you're bringing them up in the ways they should go right but whenever they become adults they should be at a place where they become more of a friend, somebody you can hang out with, somebody you can spend time with, right? may still have to give them advice at times. And you may have to teach them something here and there, but it's no longer like about this is right and this is wrong. It's now about we're going to do this life together. And the same thing happens with our walk with, with God, with Jesus. We start out and we're trying to figure out what is right, what is wrong, but there should become a time where we're just walking with Him and He's guiding us and He's teaching us still, but it's no longer like we're little kids. It's like we are, we become children who are friends with Him also. And that's the way our life should be. It should not be like, oh man, I don't want my dad to know what I just did. Instead, it should be, dad, I messed up again. How can I, what can I do better? Right. Hopefully as adults, we're not going around now fearful to tell our parents what we did. We're not ready for them to punish us for something. Right. Instead, it's, hey, this is what I got going on in life. Right. That's the way we go to God. Not expecting Him to condemn us. Not expecting Him to tear us up or to, to banish us to the pits of hell. We go to God and we say, God, this is what I got going on. I need your help. And then sometimes we just go to God and be like, God, man, this is a great day. How awesome is this? And you just enjoy that time. But more as a friendship, more as a, I know you're my dad, but I just enjoy being around you. Right? Never thinking all the time of, am I right or am I wrong? You've already been made righteous in Christ. Right? So I'm going to close in prayer, and you guys are free to go. So Father God, thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that we get to be your children. Thank you that you just want to spend time with us, Lord, and that you love us, and that we get to 
enjoy being your children, Lord, but also enjoy being your friends. That you're not looking to be able to drop a hammer on us. You're not looking to be able to tell us how wrong we are, Lord, but you're just wanting us to go through life with you, to enjoy life, that you would guide us and help us. You'd give us advice and wisdom. And that as we follow that, Lord, and we follow you, Lord, life will look so good, Lord. There'll be peace in us, God, of who we belong to and who we are. I pray, Lord, as we go throughout this week, God, that we could be more focused on that love, Lord, and that grace than we ever are of the law and where we're wrong. Be with everybody here. Keep them safe, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.